Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. And uh, this is a this is an unannounced special episode, Ben, because we are looking at each other during. Yeah. We are in my basement. We are both standing because uh, there's only one chair available, and in solidarity, I'm standing with you. You're not. You're not. Uh, you're not using the chair. Yeah. It's fun to stand every so often, you know, and just change your perspective on things. This is how they should do crossfire-type shows, right? Yeah. When you're getting into a really heavy conversation, why not have the people stand up? It's all in the hips, you know? <laughs> <laughs> when you're making a trenchant political critique of somebody. That's, I think we've talked about how much more fun it is to do a show in person and easier also because uh like expression is so important when right. you're having a conversation and uh hip expression almost certainly is a big part of that yeah all the thrusting is lost on you if <laughs> i'm glad we have a desk in between us i think yeah i think that'll really help for today's episode <laughs> uh adam uh i'm not often able to enjoy the the fruits of our our p.o box when uh when we open things up because i'm usually in a different city but i see a big pile of packages over here what do you say we rip into these captain i'm sorry to disturb you i'm receiving a code 47 verify it is code 47 sir start lead emergency frequency captain's eyes only i want to play <laughs> santa so i'm going to be uh, i'm going to be doling these boxes out Fun. There's your first gift, Ben. This one is uh, manila envelope type packages with the bubble wrap built into it. And on the back of it, it's got um, that classic image of Riker with two scantily clad babes that I think Q like willed into existence for him. I don't need your fantasy women. The one of them is thinking to herself, thank goodness the items inside are machine washable in cold water on the gentle cycle. And then, out loud, Riker is saying, everything I own has to be washable. And then the other babe is uh, thinking, tumble dry on low. Sigh. That's on the outside of the package, so the people at the P.O. Box facility definitely know what dorks we are now, if they didn't already. Laundry flirtation is a form of flirtation I'm not familiar with, but I'm not familiar with most forms of flirtation. Ben has brandished a knife. Yeah. I'm hoping I didn't destroy anything in cutting into this package. We have a letter, Adam. It says, Hi there, Adam and Ben. I hope you like these travel bags. When I saw this print online, I knew I had to have custom printed fabric to sew something special for you guys. As a thank you for regularly making me laugh so hard I choke on coffee, snort laugh, or make other people at the gym wonder why that crazy woman is laughing her ass off on the treadmill. <laughs> it sounds like we've really made her, her life noticeably worse. Yeah, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> I had a lot of fun at the Vegas Greatest Gen Con, and it was really cool to meet you fellas. I have to apologize for a comment I made. I said that you both looked so much younger than I imagined, which you do, and then doubling down on the comment, and then said to Adam, especially you, you're like a child. Oh God, insert foot in mouth. I hope you didn't think I was saying you were unmanly or being insulting. I meant to say that you have such a youthful face, but... 
I suppose it's no big surprise that someone who's a huge Trek fan is also socially awkward. Anyway, I hope these bags can maybe come in handy for carrying toiletries and stuff on your on your travels. You guys are the best. LLAP Mariah. I do remember Mariah, and I do remember those comments. The thing that <laughs> the thing that she didn't include in that letter is that she reached out and touched my face <laughs> and like pinched my cheek. <laughs> Oh man, these are amazing. Whoa. Yeah, these are probably like dot bags, right? Yeah. Dot bag size bags with awesome TNG fabric. It's uh, all different characters from TNG. Most prominently, it's Data doing the finger wag. Yeah, these are great faces. Yeah. There's Riker with the Picard doll from Captain Picard Day. Oh, yeah. There's Beverly Crusher from the Remember Me episode. Definitely. There's Worf from all episodes Worf is in. <laughs> Picard doing the, uh, like, two fists by his by his face and grinning like a like a kid. Wow, what a great, great gift. Thank you this. so There's, much. She even sews a, an official tag onto the inside. Mariah has a custom sewing company, Madabo Originals. Pretty great, Mariah. Thanks so much. I, I'm looking forward to using this bag to carry my various creams I use to <laughs> keep my face so youthful and shiny. Thank you, Mariah. All right. Got a second package here. This is a, a package that, uh, to get enough postage on, somebody put over a dozen stamps on, on the package, it looks like, which is a, a lot of fun. That person just did not want to go to the post office, and yeah. they just used every stamp they had in the drawer. Yeah, this should be enough. Yeah. This should cover it. And we have a note. Hi, Ben and Adam. First and most important, if Adam is a poor man's Kyle McLaughlin, then Ben is a poorer man's Jermaine Clement. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've never gotten that before. You know what the rule is about that that whole you know who you look like, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, you should be 100% sure that's a compliment. Right. Yeah. It's uh, don't compare anybody's looks to anybody else's unless the person you're comparing their looks to is famous primarily for being good looking. And that's the Jordan Jesse Go rule, right? Not exactly sure Jermaine uh, qualifies. <laughs> I mean, he's he's kind of bonable. Uh, <laughs> Just like you. Back to back packages that are a little bit <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit look donkey. Uh, that's a new term I just came up with. That's uh, a great term. Let's see. Kindly find two handmade fan arts enclosed. Please enjoy them in the most conspicuous places in your homes, as Zach, my second-in-command, and I have been doing with our premature assimilation tour poster. Obviously, I love the pod, and I'm very excited for my most favorite series, Voyager. Thanks, guys. Victoria. I like Voyager a lot. I'm I'm definitely on board for Voyager. I don't know if Adam will follow me. Who knows how this show is going to end, and when. <laughs> uh, ben is brandishing his knife again. I don't know if I should be. Okay, we got a picture frame. That's very cool. We got uh, what we have here is a, a framed cross stitch saying this old enterprise. This will definitely go up on the wall in my office. Yeah. I love this. That is not nearly as embarrassing as our tour poster. <laughs> so I think I think we got the better end of this bargain. Yeah. Thank you, Victoria. That's super cool. Uh, ben, we have a couple of letters that I am going to open. And uh, while doing so, I'm going to hand you uh, a box. One big box here. Uh, this letter comes from Australia. Whoa! Oh, this is a this is a letter from Imogen Cassidy. Hey, our friend from Australia. Just a quick note to let you know that Greatest Gen brightens my day. 
have enclosed a souvenir or two from what we are all hoping will be Australia's Starfleet, <laughs> our own humble answer to your upcoming Space Force. And uh, it looks like this, they've named it Arse, <laughs> which is Australian Research and Space Exploration, <laughs> to explore and understand the deep unknown. Uh, look no further than Arse. <laughs> That's uh, that is right up my alley, humor-wise. Yeah, I uh, got a couple stickers in here. <laughs> and by alley, I mean butt. Imogen has started the podcast known as Classically Awful. Yeah, right. They're uh, and uh, she does the show with her sister. Yeah. Uh, one day, my sister and I hope to catch a live show, maybe a pirate broadcast from Star Trek: The Cruise. Who knows? Best wishes and pets for Darwin. Imogen. Well, well I mean, that was that's a nice thought, but uh. I also have a dog, <laughs> a dog that could use some pets himself. Uh, well, well, we'll split them up between the two of them. We'll give Pr- Sprocket half of the pets, and then I'll, when I go home, I'll give Darwin the other half. This that seems fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so check out uh, Imogen and her sister's podcast, Classically Awful. Yeah. See, that's how you get a commercial P1 past the goalie. Yeah, you... Uh, you, use, you attach three that, $1 stamps to it. That's a huge it. discount. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our other letter? Oh boy! What we have here is uh, is a Hawaiian driver's license, <laughs> created to look like the McLovin driver's license from uh, from Superbad. From Superbad. So there's that <laughs> milk toast initiate guy uh, is the picture, <laughs> and the name is Adam McLovin Pranica. So a relentless stream of of dunk of uh, look donkeys of look dunks. Yeah. <laughs> Letter says, hey guys, greetings from the warm honeyed bosom. Adam, I had a chance to play with a bit of new office equipment today, and I thought maybe you would like your very own personalized novelty ID in the style of McLovin from the 2007 hit comedy film Superbad. So I made one for you. <laughs> Hopefully you'll be able to get into all the best parties on the Trill Homeworld and maybe even get in good with the Ankylosaurs. Love you guys. Signed. Hacker Man, P.S. Binturong, P.P.S. Tell Jerem to join Baby Nation already. Wow. Yeah, this is a fake ID. <laughs> Adam, we have uh, one final package. It's a it's a big uh, medium flat rate box from the post office from Philip, and uh, he has used uh, crumpled up grocery bags as his packing material. Oh, great! Here. Thanks. And we have a big box of Mirror Mirror cards. From the customizable card game. Whoa. And we have another box of cards from Rules of Acquisition here. Oh, and here is a letter. Dear Adam and Ben, sorry about the last batch. I couldn't remember if the box I sent was one I had meticulously opened, come over, and then hermetically resealed. <laughs> or another identical looking box. <laughs> I really need a better tracking system. I cannot vouch for the provenance of these boxes, so I've included prophylactic materials for your protection. I thought you might use these packs to combine your game of war with my pathological need to hear you open 20-year-old trading cards while I drive to work. Keep up the greatest work, Philip. Wow, well, uh, thanks to everyone for just a big, big bundle of joy uh, at the P.O. box. Yeah. That was really fun. No thanks to the face dunking. Yeah. Could have done without those. Listen, we both look in the mirror every single day. We know what we look like. <laughs> you don't need to make comments about it. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, kind of germane to the episode today is this idea of looks and vanity. Yeah. Why don't we get on to it, Ben, when we talk about Deep Space Nine Season 3, Episode 4, 
It's called Second Skin. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. And this is not in reference to like a a lambskin, <laughs> very thin condom. Very thin condom that would have made for an interesting episode. Yeah, we open on uh, Lieutenant Dax and the Replomat. Kira is like is is kind of blowing Dax off because Dax wants to go do Hollow Sweet stuff with her. Yeah, and it introduces a fun conversation that I feel like we've never seen before, which has to do with the attitudes about Hollow Sweets and Hollow Decks. Yeah. Dax is riding for their fun and utility as a recreation, and Kira kind of rides on the side of, well, if it's not real, how fun or scary or exciting or whatever can it possibly be? Yeah. And sort of like assigns a value to it, a diminished value based on like the lack of stakes involved. Yeah. I mean, my wife recently said to me that she expects to play less than 30 minutes of video games between now and her death. <laughs> that's her That's her prediction on how many video games she will play. Wow. She has just zero interest in it. She's never played a Mario Party? Nope. Just Wives love Mario Party. <laughs> this is a thing that we know. I I I've I was not aware of that because my wife doesn't and and has no interest. My wife loves Mario Party and wow. she hates video games. So maybe give it a try. You play Civilization with your wife, right? I do. Yeah, that is that's the other game. You guys pay, play past the iPad back and forth yeah. Civilization. It's changed how much we enjoy air travel because when we sit next to each other on a plane, it, we just play Civ and the flight goes by like that. That's great. I always like tell my wife I'm going to get seats next to each other and then don't because <laughs> I'm a monster. <laughs> it's really like it's related to that that concept that you've told me about which is like when you get hotel rooms you always accidentally get a room with two beds. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> I guess we'll just uh I'll be on this one. Uh it's a good thing she's not a viewer. <laughs> Your secret's safe with me, Ben. Yeah. They're already late for their hollow suite appointment. So late that Quark left the bar to come looking for Dax. I guess they don't make a lot of use of the fact that they're all wearing com badges. Yeah, that and the like the current technology of cancellations incurring full charges seems to be not a thing in the future. Quirk should be on top of that. You would think he would. Yeah. But yeah, they're so they're late for their thing. They're like, all right, Quirk, we'll be there eventually. And they're about to leave when Kira gets a, uh, a FaceTime call from a very bland beige woman. <laughs> she gives, she puts the beige in beigeur. <laughs> she sure does. Uh, I'm sure if they'd styled this this character differently, I wouldn't have said that. But it's like a, a beige room and a beige frock and a, you know, just everything about this shot is super beige. Yeah. And she's like, hey, I'm doing like research and I wanted to ask you about the time you spent at this Cardassian concentration camp. And here's like... Why come to me? I was never at Elmsburg. And she's like, well, we have a very specific record of you being there for like a week and kira's like can you jackie and lori me uh the, the picture of this record <laughs> yeah and what pops up on screen it's a ponytail version of uh kira narice yeah rocking a tight pony amazing that this beige lady invented jackie and lorrying <laughs> i thought jackie and lori did that 
in a beige room <laughs> with beige curtains. <laughs> Being beige. <laughs> this is a real slide whistle to opening theme, too, because like yeah. Dax, who isn't in the rest of the episode hardly at all, sidles up beside Kira and is like, <gasps> It's you. <laughs> Yeah, and then they get the, the like, the, doesn't the camera pan up to that evil loafy lady? Yeah. And, like, the you know, the music goes dun-dun-dun. They kind of bang-bang the uh, the rolling timpani sound yeah. into theme song. For such a cheeseball open, Yeah. after the open begins a fairly relentless feeling of paranoia and, like, in the way that Memento made the main character question his identity and existence, yeah. I think for a 40-minute episode, what begins at this point is is a story well told. And it like a lot of DS9 episodes that give away the ending right away, <laughs> I think they obscure that starting now. Yeah, it's a fun mystery that stays a mystery and like has twists and turns that are not super ham-fisted telegraphs of what the yeah. result is going to be. The investigation starts with Odo and Cisco being involved because Kira elevates the question to her uh, to her superiors rightfully. Cuz she has zero memory of this prison camp hang and there and and yet there is a there's a lot of evidence that it in fact happened and she like Gets on FaceTime with, you know, Odo suggests this, I think, that they talk to other people that were there during that span of time. Right. And the first time, first guy she FaceTimes, she's like, hey, I'm looking into some stuff about this prison camp. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> yeah, you had a pretty rockin' pony at the time. <laughs> what happened to, was your hair different or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like this, this feels like it takes so little to tip Kira over. Yeah. Into this story, but this is the this is the inciting incident after the inciting incident of like holy shit to have been seen in this place that I don't remember really sets her down this path. Yeah. And the path is like personally investigating the the truth of this. And so Kira packs a small bag for Bajor and she's going to go investigate this thing herself. It seems like they should be able to give her a runabout, right? Everyone else gets a runabout the on The chief that gets show. a runabout. And plus we saw an episode where Kira like demonstrated her abilities as a, as like an attack pilot. Is she not is it because she's not in Starfleet? Maybe. Or maybe she just likes to fly commercial. She's she likes to ride the subway. I'm go I I actually do need to like get a few miles to qualify for my platinum butt plug this year. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to uh I'm going to do a mileage run on uh you know sit back and coach with the with the plebes. <laughs> uh, this is a moment where we see a suspicious face again. The, the suspicious face that we panned up to pre-credit sequence has returned and has followed her yeah. into whatever conveyance she's on her way to, which I think is a transport, right? Yeah. The commander wishes her well. Uh, it seems that she's been given a great deal of leeway to go just like spend as much time as she needs looking into this. 
I love how Kira is basically at Odo's bedside on a similar mission, like with him a hundred percent. Like, let's figure this out together. And Odo's like, "Well, see you later. Good luck." I I hate flying commercial. <laughs> Most people would think I'd do fine with that. I could just turn myself into someone smaller. Worst prank ever played on me was on a commercial flight. I was in my bucket in an overhead bin and somebody took me out and poured me into the latrine. <laughs> I was blue for a month. <laughs> Golden the cut. Golden so, uh, we also get a uh, catch up with the doctor and Garrick. Uh, Garrick describes something similar to what Quark has been dealing with, which is the economy on Deep Space Nine is somewhat depressed because of all the fear surrounding what's going on on the other side of the yeah. the wormhole. I mean, for some reason, living under the constant threat of Dominion attack has made people less eager to invest in new clothing. <laughs> so he's got lots of free time. Evidently, he has a lot of free time to make his own Kooji sweater. <laughs> he has, I think, two or three different costumes in this episode. Garrick does. Yeah, he looks great. The function of this scene made me think that it was just to serve as a reminder that Garrick is here. Mm -hmm. Because nothing happens here. This is like a sub one minute scene between them and then it's over. Yeah, I think it's to cue us some... Cardassian stuff is afoot. Yeah. And I think, I guess it establishes that Garrick is somewhat confined to Deep Space Nine. It seems like the gentleman's agreement between him and the the spy apparatus of Cardassia is if he hangs on Deep Space Nine, they're not going to bother him. But if he leaves, they might, you know, right. throw a bag over his head and push him into a van and peel off. You know what I would I would like the bottle episode with Garrick at some point that just follows his moment to moment life and the paranoia that surrounds that like I think you could make that episode at this point without revealing too much about his true identity or his life or his motivations like yeah that would be you could see that being a pretty terrific episode yeah i would watch that uh the beige archivist <laughs> from before blows in a facetime to cisco to say hey she never came and cisco is like <laughs> yeah cisco home improvements <laughs> in response yeah the uh the major has gone missing she she got on that transport and uh you know the last reported sighting of her was leaving the airport for this beige place that she was gonna go hang out at and uh yeah she she gone missing let's talk about kira's placement in the hierarchy of bajorans in terms of how much protection she might need any given moment she leaves the station because yeah. I get the sense that she's fairly unique in status. Right. Like she has a rank, but also she has a lot of like political import that is it, not necessarily attendant to that rank. It's it's yeah. more about who she is and what she does. In a way that like many modern diplomats don't typically go alone yeah. places. I kind of feel like she should have an attache or something. Right. I mean, maybe this is the uh, fool me once moment, and yeah. after this, she's going to have a detail. <laughs> you could see that you could see her being the type that would be reluctant to have such a sure protection package. Yeah, she can look after herself. She's a she's a tough lady. We cut back to a darkened room, and uh, the voice of Kira and suspicious face. Yeah, fully lit. 
They're having a brief conversation before Kira steps into the light. Yeah, because that lady that uh, that we panned up to in the uh, in the replomat scene at the beginning also followed Kira onto the transport. Right. And now here she is in this in this dark room, and uh, it's a pretty fun like uh, Twilight Zone look into mirror moment. Yeah. And uh, it's Kira in full Cardassian loaf. It evokes that feeling of the TNG episode when when Troy became Romulan. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's shot very similarly too. Lots of close-ups with wide-angle lenses. Yeah. They do not make the face look good. Right. A lens that's wider than 50 millimeters. That's where the phrase camera adds 10 pounds comes from is because it's actually seeing more of the sides of your face. So it makes it look thicker and... Uh, and bigger, which is why a lot of interviews are shot on like 85 millimeter lenses because right. they're considered very flattering. Yeah, but I think also that wide wide angle lens that's super close up is a is like a horror trope. Like yeah. you see it a lot in horror movies where you can tell that you have a wide field of view, but you're not seeing very much because of how close it is to its subject, and that's a very like scary, paranoid feeling. This is consistent with a visual style guide that we've gotten for Cardassians from the start, which is like shoot them from below or light them from above so that their their skull-like yeah. faces cast shadows over their eyes. Like totally. This is a this is they continue that theme in this episode, especially and it's weird to see Nana Visitor in this getup. Yeah, she looks really different, and it's not just. The makeup, it's the complexion. Yeah. It, it really changes. And the way they light her. Like, yeah, she's yeah. lit very specifically and differently in this in this stuff. Navizator is somewhat famously claustrophobic. Hmm. And uh, she hated this episode because of the makeup requirements. In right. Them. She wanted to cut a shooting day short because she was getting squicked out so bad. Wow. And uh, the director... Les Landau was like, no, I mean, we need to make our day. Like, we've got a couple more scenes to do. And she actually began removing her makeup on set, oh, like, as an act of defiance, which I think shit, is fucking dog. rugged. There's a couple of scenes where she really gets handsy with the with the loaf, you know, yeah. where she's, like, touching her face in horror. Yeah. And I kind of expected her to start, like, pulling the pieces away. <laughs> yeah. Like, I knew, I, like, obviously... The implication of these scenes is that's like her actual skin and she's been surgically altered. But uh, knowing that it's latex or whatever, it almost looked like she was about to start peeling it and doing a Mission Impossible with it. I feel like that would have been a great decision throughout the episode. In the same way that like if you burn the roof of your mouth and you can't stop tonguing that part, like for her to constantly be like distracted with what her face is at this point would yeah. have been an interesting choice, but I can understand how with this level of makeup you just can't you can't touch it. Yeah. The people there are telling her uh this is her real face. Yeah. She was a Cardassian sleeper agent. The reason she doesn't remember that is that, like, to have flawless deep cover, they actually erased her memory and gave her the memory of a real Bajoran woman. And, like, at one point, like, they even demonstrate this by, like, beaming the body of actual Kira Norris into the room on a yeah. slab and, like, showing it to her. That's a great scene. That's, uh, and, and, like, they're, they're presenting, like, enough evidence that it's, you know, 
all she has is her own personal conviction about who she is at this point. Like they're showing her evidence, very compelling evidence to the contrary of what she believes about who she is. It's, it's like the ultimate gaslight. The credibility of this has been introduced in a couple of different episodes. Most recently, the episode where uh, O'Brien... I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. ...is taken back to Cardassia and put on trial, and Boone is discovered to be uh, a test tube person in his own right, like right. A, a person with with horrific cosmetic... Yeah. Uh, changes done to him it's, like their abilities in this in this area are now are, are uh, established established and, yeah and it's like the it's it's fun to see the writers going well if that is true of boone what else could be true what could we do with if that? that then yeah um the uh the main interlocutor in this scene is Entech, played by gregory sierra and this guy is like a totally great like 70s and 80s that guy <laughs> from tv i'm gonna read off some some tv credits for you here he, he played characters in The Waltons, Kung Fu, MacGyver, Sanford and Son, Mission Impossible, Miami Vice, Hill Street Blues. For an actor of a certain age, that is like blackout bingo of of great TV. I know, right? Like Bill Tilly has seen every episode yeah. that this guy has ever appeared in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's really great. He's like he's got a really um, a good affect for this, where he's like, you know, like this is going to take time. You'll get used to it until your original memory reemerges. I don't expect you to believe a word I say. Yeah, the idea is that Kira is not Kira. She is Ileana Gamore. Of the Obsidian Order, which is another faction of Cardassia that we have come to understand more and more. Yeah, and something that is associated with Garrick, who yeah. we've already established as being in this episode. The interlocutor, he he is both good cop and bad cop at the same right, time. Right, yeah. He gets a lot to do, and I feel like he's he's kind of great in this episode. Yeah. In parallel, there is an investigation happening on DS9, which is what happened to Kira. And the evidence indicates that she was either beamed away or killed by a phaser set to kill. Yeah. Which is an interesting bit of science in that both forms of energy leave off the same type of casting. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, That's not good. <laughs> that McLaughlin group Issue one. Where they go over that is really tense. Like yeah. they they are all really performing the the characters believing that Kira may be dead. I really like how this A and B story weave together because while they're trying to figure out what happened to Kira, Kira's trying to figure out what happened to Kira also. Yeah, like it seems like a lot of trouble to go to just to shoot a phaser set to vape yeah. at her, right? Yeah. Like, why would they have to do it in that particular part of Bajor? Like, why not just get somebody on the station to vaporize her? Right, and so you the, know what? If you were going to kill her to make a make a point, you would also make it abundantly clear that you were trying to make a point, and evidence to that effect would be there. Like, it's scary to think she might be dead, but they don't really... Yeah. Uh, have a strong indication that that is the case. 
on Cardassia were introduced to another husky legate. Yeah, legate dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who is just all shoulders, all shoulders and uh, and barrel. <laughs> Legates all have dad bod or yeah. legate bod in the terminology of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he also does the thing that the uh, that Vorta guy was doing when he comes in with the where he puts yeah. the rock over his dick. What is up with that? I don't know. People love the, doing that on this show. Apparently. There's no pockets in either of those uniforms. That's the problem. Yeah, no pockets or belt loops. What if he'd come in with his hands in pockets though? <laughs> we would be we would be flipping out. He comes in with like a legate cardigan, like a dad <laughs> a dad cardigan. <laughs> That's terrible. Anyways, he really misses her. He's like very upset that she doesn't remember him. Apparently, they've given her some drugs that are going to like jog her memory to bring back everything that's been suppressed. Yeah. But uh, as, as, as like she is not revealing any indication that that is working at this point. I don't believe a word of it. It's not a great scene for dad. No. It's clear that he's kind of pulling rank on Entech because Legate Dead is a member of the ruling council of Cardassia. He is like about as powerful politically as you can get, not to mention he has a very high rank in the military. So while this guy is like telling him, hey, listen, like, you you know, she's not ready to see you yet. Her memories haven't started resurfacing. He's servicing. He's like, fuck you. Get out of my way. I'm going to go see my daughter. And that's a compelling argument. It's a fun conflict because uh, Intech is good cop, bad cop, and Dad is good cop. Yeah. It's two good cops against one bad cop. Yeah. It's two two good cops, one bad cop. I liked how his loaf looked. It seemed more like lived in. Yeah. Like it was a little like wrinkly and and older looking like a like a baseball glove in the back of a closet he looked like he'd he'd uh, he'd like a layer of nicotine on him almost that's fun he looked great i thought that his makeup was like particularly good i don't know i was looking for this and i couldn't quite tell but in the way that you can tell related klingons are related because of loaf similarity mm-hmm I don't get the same sense that it works like that for Cardassians because I don't think there's enough detail right. in Cardassian loaf. Yeah, like Worf and Alexander having roughly the same type of head ridge yeah. as distinct from what Gowron's head ridge is not something that we're observing in the Cardassian uh, universe. Garrick bursts into a McLaughlin group Issue two. and tells Cisco and Odo that... He can't tell them how he how he knows this, but <laughs> Kira is on Cardassia. Yeah. And they should know that she's in great danger. You never quite know what he's up to, and it seems sometimes like he's pursuing the goals of the Cardassian state and other times like he's uh at odds with them. And in this episode he seems to be very much at odds with Cardassia and and the security state there. And because his motivations are unknown, the moment that Cisco uses this to extort him into into boarding the D, which is what I guess we're calling the Defiant in the <laughs> DS9 universe, to go to Cardassia with them is like, you don't know if that's extortion because you don't know how many moves ahead Garrick is playing. Right. In the scene, he's like, this is fucked up. There's no way I want to go with you. Like Retrieving her would be impossible. By going to Cardassia, you're basically throwing me in the van I've been afraid of 
since being on DS9. Right. So his, he is protesting, but because Garrick is such a chaos agent and you never know his motivations, you don't know if those are his true feelings. Like, Garrick is so interesting in this episode. Like, when he first, like, talks to the doctor, it's that thing of, like, you know, I happen to know something that's going on, and the doctor's like, fuck you, I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Garrick tries initially to be subterfuge guy, and then when the doctor kind of ignores him, he's like, no, actually, there's an emergency and we need to talk about it. Yeah. And anything that seems out of character for Garrick might be a ploy, which is really fun. Like, that character is always interesting because of that. One of my favorite scenes is the ongoing interrogation of Kira and her absurd answers to the questions <laughs> that they ask her. How many Starfleet personnel are stationed on Deep Space Nine? Oh, 30, 40,000. And this is uh, proving to be very frustrating to all of those involved. Yeah, and like so frustrating that they even like question whether this process of wiping an agent's memory before sending them into the field is a great is a great strategy. Yeah. Like maybe we shouldn't be doing it this way, but you know, this is the way we did it with you, so we gotta we gotta just work together on walking this back. One of the I mean, to go back to the what we were talking about in the beginning, one of the things that this episode does really well is you know, people are having these conversations in front of Kira yeah. in a way that makes it seem as though they're dramatizing this for her benefit and ours as the viewer. Right. But not so much that their conversations are unbelievable. Right. Their frustrations seem real and grounded. And you would hope so, right? <laughs> this is the moment in the episode also where I really started to think about how much it would take for me to question my own identity, or how little that might take. Because if you were to put yourself in Kira's shoes, what's your tipping point? I mean, a body has been produced in front of her. I I also wondered like how much time has passed, and I don't. I was a little unclear on that. And I mean, if if it was a few hours, I feel like I would be able to maintain my confidence of self. Yeah. But if this is going on over a week and she's isolated and has no way of communicating with the outside world and she only has the information that is being presented to her by the people that walk into this room and the bodies that they beam into this room yeah uh, that's pretty that's pretty terrifying a major tipping point here is where she she finally views the video diary that she was given when she first arrived something that she had been reluctant to do yeah they give her a little now. honey stick yeah. and uh this seems to to do the trick for her she seems pretty shook by this moment and uh speaking of shaking the trip to the cardassian homeworld is not going great because uh the d has been spotted by a couple of galler class so what happens here is a pretty fun scene ben uh they are able to somehow mask their identity their ship identity as a Koberian freighter so it shows up on radar as something else and that seems like a form of technology that we've seen before. Yeah. One kind of technology that we have never seen is Cisco's like, yeah, turn me into a Cobarian for this FaceTime. This is the Cobarian freighter, Rock Eunice. I'm Captain Vitarian. How can I help you? And we do shot reverse shot between FaceTimes, and you get it uh, from both Cisco's perspective and the Cardassian's perspective, and it's this Cobarian alien with Cisco's voice yeah. saying, hey, we're in a real hurry carrying this ore to the Cardassian homeworld. Yeah. Like, 
this is not a good time to do a pull over and check situation. He's an animoji, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and this does not work on these Cardassians. And so it is up to Garrick in desperation to drop the masks. You're not Coberians. Very observant of you. And he totally does that thing where he changes his attitude. Yeah. Into, he into, turns into the boss. And big dogs these Cardassian ships away from them to leave them alone. It's a great scene for Garrick. It's pretty fun and really opens up a whole new line of questions about what power he actually wields. It reminded me a lot of the Ducat episodes where uh, they were fighting the the Maquis together yeah. and Ducat and it had a similar experience where like he big dogged on top of Cisco. Right. And that's almost like physically the same thing that happened. Like Garrick basically steps in front of Cisco yeah. and is like, I got your this. Tr- your plan failed. Now I'm going to yeah. do something that's not going to fail. It's interesting how often that happens to Cisco as a character, and we, at least I don't see that as a weakness in him. Yeah. He's having his milkshake drank. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't make him weak as a as a character. Weak it, magic, right? Yeah. I mean, beca- I think it's just because, like, they're sort of on the other side of the border in, in a strange land, you know? Like, it's... It's a function of where they are and what they're doing. It's foreign country expertise. Yeah. And uh, Garrick explains that he knows all this because he heard it while he was hemming somebody's trousers. (laughs) That's like (laughs) such a perfect Garrick explanation. (laughs) More, more, more. Sweet. More, more, more. You need everybody? More. Stop. Hammer time. Back on Cardassia, we get the scene that. Uh, that you are told to expect anytime there is a character uh, questioning the true nature of their identity, Kira punches a mirror. Yeah, and uh, that is a really dangerous thing to do. I mean, she... For bad luck reasons alone. She grabs her hand like it may have cut her, but like like the scene in uh, in Apocalypse Now where, he, where uh, Martin Sheen smashes the mirror and then has a bloody hand. Yeah. That's famously real. Like yeah. he really... Like they didn't know he was going to punch that mirror. He was really drunk. He really punched it and his hand was gushing blood and he like stayed in character and they kept shooting for a while. Yeah. While he like sat in his underpants with blood pouring out of his hand. He blood brandoed. I wondered if there was like a sheet of plastic in front of the glass so that when she smashed it, it didn't it didn't cut her skin because I wouldn't, I don't know if I would agree to do that. I mean, I wonder if much like uh, the glass bottles that are made out of candy glass and are used as like stunt bottles for breaking. But this breaks like glass. I know, but I'm wondering if like, is there a mirror equivalent to that? That is, that is safe in this way. I mean, you get so many mirrors punched in TV and movies like that has to be a product, right? Yeah. But I don't know. Nana Visitor is my favorite actor on this show. I think she's the best actor on this show, and that's not a statement meant to uh, diminish anyone else's efforts here. Yeah, she's just a she's a beast. She doesn't go ten out of ten in this episode emotionally. Yeah, this is maybe the only scene that she gets close. What do you think of that choice? <sighs> she never like falls apart into like existential pieces she yeah i mean she's she's very upset in that moment she's like doing the crying in the lap thing yeah but it doesn't yeah somehow it doesn't feel like 
she's totally given up or anything. And she's so capable as an actor of doing that. I wonder if there's a version of these scenes where she got a couple of takes and they just chose the seven instead of the 10, hmm. you know? Or is it that she's like making a choice as a as an actor, like she's upset, but it's not like she's not broken yet. She hasn't yeah. gotten there. Yeah. Uh, Papa Leggett. <laughs> Leggett daddy. <laughs> Papa Cardigan. <laughs> has tipped over into a form of empathy that is actionable. He catches her attempting to escape yeah, and feels such sympathy for her and recognizes that, you know, whatever they're expecting these drugs to do would have happened by now if they were to happen. Wouldn't it be better to allow her to go or help her to escape? It's that thing of, I love you and I want you to be happy, even if that means I can't be around you anymore yeah thing and uh that's a pretty remarkable journey for that character to have gone on this isn't a decision that's come to independently there is a little bit of a deadline because the because her resistance her mind's resistance to coming around full circle has made it so that you know the interrogations aren't working she's gonna have to be taken to the obsidian order to be interrogated and everyone on the scene knows what that could mean that means floating sphere with a hypodermic needle she's gonna lose a tooth (laughs) it's not gonna be great she's gonna see a number of lights she will be asked how many of them there are etc he gives her a seiko ladies watch (laughs) it's beautiful and confides in her uh, with the help of a buddy, like he can't get her off off the planet surface alone. He brings a buddy in, and he's like, "Hey, this guy's gonna help you leave." And also, I am a dissident, and this is the part that illuminates the light bulb in Kira's mind. She's like, "Shit, maybe this isn't about me at all. Maybe this is entrapment for Papa Cardigan." Right? Because I mean, like, it doesn't quite make sense if if what she believes inside of her is true that she is in fact Kira Narisa, not this Cardassian lady. Yeah. Then She's why are, the mark. why are they going to this effort to convince her otherwise? Like what because they want intel about Deep Space Nine? Like that seems like something they could easily get in yeah. lots of other ways. And they don't need to like trick her. <laughs> Enter in tech from stage left. Yeah. You know, with with phasers at the ready. Yeah, and a couple of people with rifles. Yeah, so they get the drop and Kira's suspicions are confirmed. <laughs> But then Cisco and crew beam down and get the drop on them. So it's drop on drop. I suggest you lower your weapons. Cisco has a over-the-shoulder bag that he, like, wings across the room. Yeah. Which ends up being Odo. I thought it was going to be like a like a knock everybody out, like a, you know, like a sapper. Like, yeah. You know, like a satchel charge or something. Yeah, like a flashbang or something. Yeah, and instead uh, it's just uh, it's Odo gooping up and in back of uh Entech cuz uh he's like he's like drop your weapons and Entech thinks like why should I drop my weapon and then there's Odo pulling the phaser out of his hand what would have happened if Cisco throws the bag at Entech and it like hit him in the face could Odo have suffocated him like a plastic bag i wonder does that make Odo vulnerable in some way? Like, if you started, like, ripping at Odo as a bag, does that hurt him? What's Odo's tensile strength? (laughs) He works in an airport. (laughs) 
<laughs> Great scene because uh, Odo gets the jump from behind, but uh, unfortunately, Papa Cardi's assistant gets shot in the fray. Yeah, so I mean, the reveal is that this has been a big Obsidian Order operation to nail this member of the Central Command as a dissident. And Garrick's dog remains big in this scene. Yeah. And they like start to make their retreat. Like they're there to rescue Kira and they don't really care that much about what happens to Daddy Longlegget. <laughs> uh, AKA Daddy Longlegget, AKA Papa Cardi. Yeah, yeah. He goes by many names. Uh-huh. Um but like they're you know, they're they're making their their retreat thinking that Entech has been disarmed and Turns out he had a second pistol, which you always got to check for the second pistol. Yeah. Like that's that's very basic disarming somebody, somebody, Odo. Right. And so he has to get vaporized. But then they don't vaporize the other two Obsidian Order people that are there, which I thought was a huge mistake. It's like in heat, you know, like if yeah. you've already killed one of the guys in the armored car, you don't leave witnesses. Drop of a hat. These guys will rock and roll. He had to get it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Wayne Grow. <laughs> it is fucking rugged when Garrick does this, and it's special because it's Garrick. Yeah. Like he wields lethal power in a scary way. It is the the vape setting on the phaser. His mask has totally slipped. And like all I could think was if you killed those other two people, like it might not be like the Starfleet way or whatever, but then the guy's secret is safe, right? Like the legate, he'll have a, he'll have a lot of splaining to do when they come around and find a bunch of Obsidian Order bodies in his daughter's childhood bedroom. Yeah, but, but it's not necessarily blown his cover as a you know a potentially like Starfleet friendly element in the Central yeah. Command of like like view that for the asset that it potentially is, guys. They really hang him out to dry. Yeah, not good. <laughs> Because the second they walk out, the people with the rifles are just going to pick them back up off the floor and be like, all right, you're coming with us. Sucks that our boss is dead. It's an exciting escape scene that we don't get yeah. for, for time. You really want to do this here? Now, okay, okay, let's do it, do it. The button on the episode is fairly abrupt, too, because we cut from this scene basically back to DS9, back to a de-surgically altered Kira yeah, and so they've taken the legate with them, yeah. which I just, I don't get. <laughs> There's never a moment of, take me with you, even. Yeah. Like, like that part's glossed over. Uh, and he's, like, going to go live in exile on some planet. He's still wearing his uniform, which I thought was weird. Yeah, if you're going to live in exile, I think it's time to change the costume, right? Put that cardigan on that you've always wanted to wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is revealed that Kira had been surgically altered, which we could have assumed. Yeah. Uh, the dude on FaceTime in the beginning was a Cardassian agent who has now disappeared. And not only that, Ileana, the the daughter of Papa Cardi, may still be alive. Like, that part is not resolved completely. They picked Kira because she looked a lot like Ileana. Like, they had similar bone structure, basically. I read, and again, research. Bad. That one possible ending that existed in a version of this script is that Bashir does a deep, deep dive on Kira's DNA, and it's inconclusive about her her true genetic makeup. Whoa. Which would have been an ending... With a with a higher gravity than this one, I would say. Yeah, I mean... This feels a little neat. 
as this show figures out what it is, it has often found opportunities like that to add to how interesting a character is to leave themselves another episode to write about this storyline in the future and has often actually like gone and done that. Like this is, this episode is an example of that to some extent with the, as a, as a spiritual sequel to the episode with Boone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But like uh, to, to miss that opportunity is kind of a, is kind of surprising at this point. There is that that doesn't feel good, but there's one element of this ending that really frustrated me, which was, why do you accept a gift from a Cardassian that could easily be a listening device? <laughs> like this, this Papa Cardi allows Kira to keep the Seiko wristwatch. Yeah, it'd be funny if she like took it. If they just had a little, you know, after the credit sequence where she goes back home and puts that thing in the uh, in the microwave and yeah. like sets it on thirty seconds just to fry anything inside of it, just in case. There's this moment and Kira's emotions in recognizing Papa Cardi to be a good father. And this is a good moment for Nana Visitor, but this is a terrible moment for Kira, which I don't believe hmm. at all. Like, I don't believe this is in keeping with her character. Wow. She was a resistance fighter against these people. She's known this guy for a couple of days. I don't think you change how you feel about a race of people who have been hell-bent on destroying your world. I don't know. I mean, he has saved the cat a bunch of times. Like, she's seen him have moral choices to make a number of times now, and he's consistently made the right one. It is satisfying in that way, in a way that is appropriate and right. It just didn't feel honest. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm, like, going too far to defend this, but, like, I don't think that's quite how racism works. Like, there are plenty of racists with... You know, people that do racist things that have a black friend or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, it's not... Papa Cardi is Kira's black friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've got plenty of Cardassian friends. <laughs> did you like this episode, Ben? Uh, I did. Uh, despite my being a little sleepy when we watched it, I really enjoyed it. Uh, strong Kira app. Very compelling premise. And I think that they they rose to the challenge of telling that story in a you know, in a lot of ways. And uh, I really enjoyed it. How about yourself? I agree. I really like a behind enemy lines style story, Mm -hmm. which is what this is. Fun rescue mission. If you're going to have a behind enemy lines style story, I would like to see Owen Wilson in it. But if if he's not available, you know, (laughs) or Gene Hackman. (laughs) The new D is serving a nice utility on this show. They're able to make stories that require... Uh, some travel and some battle yeah, more, in a fun way. More road trips are always welcome. Yeah, uh, it's nice to have a Kira ep after feeling like it's been a while since we've had one. Like Certainly. Good job by them. And yeah. uh, and a good story. I love I love finding more about Garrick, especially Great Garrick episode. Great Garrick Maybe episode. even a better episode for Garrick than it was for Kira. Shit dog. Shit, Doug, we have some Priority One messages. You want to see what's in the backs? Let's take a peek. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. 
Ben, our first Priority One message is from Angie. It's for Jeremy. And the message goes like this. We met through the TGG group last year and somehow made a connection from 850 miles away using a mix of memes, messages, <laughs> talks, and Skypes. Now we live together. Whoa. And I have never been happier. Dang. Happy birthday, Jeremy. I love you with all of my heart. Damn. Thanks, Ben and Adam, for bringing us together. P.S. Binturong, shout out to the Warm Honeyed Bosom for their support. If the Warm Honeyed Bosom ever turns on us, we're really screwed. <laughs> that is like the radicalized core. That's like the Obsidian Order of Greatest Gen viewers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of all of the great things to have happened as a result of this show, the ones that feel like matter the most are like the life-changing things like like we hear about from jeremy and angie like yeah, really people cool. finding each other and making lives together what the fuck <laughs> like this dumb fucking show did that yeah that's really cool that's amazing maybe the show isn't so dumb <laughs> oh it'll always be dumb <laughs> but it's powerful adam our second priority one message is from constantine and it's to mike and jan from canada it goes like this Dear Ben and Adam, it took me far more episodes than I would like to admit to realize that Nana Visitor was not a pun. I recently came into $100, so if my wife asks, this was a legitimate moving expense. <laughs> I hope you'll be more responsible with it. Shout out to my DM, Mike, and my, my, and my Dactorak, Yan. That's a D apostrophe A-K-T-U-R-A-K. I don't know mm. what that word is. Mm. The only men I know that celebrate Captain Picard Day. <laughs> wow, well, I don't come into $100 often, but I do know one thing, Ben. you got to watch out for paper cuts. <laughs> I, re- I enjoyed that far more than you deserved. <laughs> uh, if you think we would enjoy a Priority One message... Uh, or if you can think of somebody else that would enjoy one. Yeah, go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where... Personal messages are $100, and commercial messages are $200. They are one of the great, great ways to help fund the ongoing production of The Greatest Generation. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! The moment where Garrick just fucking kills that guy (laughs) was shocking to me. Yeah. And for that reason alone, like, there are a lot of compounding reasons up until that moment why Garrick, even without that, probably would have been my Shimoda. Right. But he's on an away team as a guest (laughs) who just takes it upon himself without asking permission or, like, uh, going over the plan first. Or, like, the rules of engagement for this operation. There's a scene we don't get, which is, like, probably Cisco telling Garrick, like, we're not going in weapons hot. We got to get her out and, like... With a minimum amount of bloodshed. We probably. don't want this to turn into a diplomatic incident. We're going into the family home of a member of the Central Command. Bloodthirsty Garrick, though, will not have it that way. Well, he saves their bacon, right? He does. He's more of a bacon saver than Odo. And if you had told me that they'd be on the same rescue mission and one of them would be the day saver, I wouldn't have guessed it would be him. Yeah, Odo just uh, just pretended to be a book bag for half the time. <laughs> What about you, Ben? Uh, I thought about giving Odo my drunk Shimoda for that exact reason, but um, I'm going to give it to Chief O'Brien, who just 
doesn't appear to be on anybody's mind. I feel like it's been a couple episodes now that we haven't seen or heard anything about him. He's in the background of a scene, like, and you see, you see, like, three quarters of his back is and it, the side is, of his face. Is it I'm, his stand-in? <laughs> yeah, it could be a stand-in. True. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes you just want to take a break, and I respect the chief is just uh, getting to cool his boots for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, he's had a lot to do lately. He's... Yeah. He's been under a lot of pressure. Yeah. He said a lot of shit happened to him. Yep. Gotta get that, get that gold press light. Get that, get that gold press light. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVS for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by seven customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. 
The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Uh, what do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? Adam, our next episode is Season 3, Episode 6, The Abandoned. A Boslik captain talks Quark into purchasing the wreckage of a ship that crashed in the Gamma Quadrant. Fairly interesting premise. Yeah, I like that idea. Uh, the Amazon description is, Odo tries to convince a young, violent Jem'Hadar that there's more to life than fighting and killing. <laughs> Those couldn't sound more different. Yeah, very different episodes. <laughs> there, there's like a, a kid in the, in the wreckage. Uh, I have a punch up for this episode. Okay. Why isn't it Kira making this case as someone who has previously fought and killed in her life? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe what because the fuck the does writer, Quark know about this? Maybe because the writers are like, no, we can't have two Kira episodes in a row. Quark's like, you can work in a casino. It's great. <laughs> it's guaranteed money. We, like, we have a very depressed economy here on Deep Space Nine, and I'm still making money. <laughs> to lose money as a casino owner, to let a casino go bankrupt, Impossible. Would, would bespeak a catastrophic level of badness at business. People would think I am an idiot. <laughs> Uh, ben, it's time to see how we're going to do this episode. Uh, famously, we, yes. have, we have just wrapped up the first 100 squares of Game of Buttholes. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I'm going to commit to having the real Game of Buttholes uh, up as the as the biz slash game. Uh, but we, did, uh, we started this on square one. We are going to now roll them bones and find out where we are going. I will be the one that rolls that bone. Roll that bone. And I have rolled a five. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Which puts us on square six. A plain old square. I love a plain old square. That's a nice a plain square. <laughs> Mamma mia! <laughs> Well, uh, one thing that's not plain at all, Ben, uh, is the is the quality of our listenership, uh, who participates in conversations about every episode and every dumb thing we say. Yeah, yeah, you can uh, you can participate in a whole bunch of places. You can leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You can go use the hashtag GreatestGen on Twitter. You can join the Facebook or Reddit groups. There's also something called Discord, I believe. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we should shout out more often and often uh, and, uh, and are remiss in forgetting to sometimes is the Wikia page that uh, is lovingly maintained by a bunch of friends of DeSoto. It's got uh, all of the inside jokes, you know, in depth. It's got, uh, they, they track all the Shimodas, drunk and otherwise. And uh, anytime you hear us 
say something that sounds like a reference, like chances are pretty good that if you go to the Wikia, you will find information on where that came from. Also uh, need to give a deserved shout out to the moderators of all those places. Yeah. Uh, Facebook mods especially have been doing a hell of a job in, uh, in putting out uh, some fires yeah. in, a, in a great way. We have empowered them to do that work. So we would ask you to, uh, to be kind and respectful of their many efforts. Ben and I don't spend a lot of time in these places. I think mostly because we've realized that uh, they aren't for us. Like they're for you guys to talk to each other and start dating each other and <laughs> yeah. and and get married. So. Yeah, obviously, if you're not dating somebody from one of those groups, you're doing it wrong yeah. at this point. But uh, what are you waiting for? <laughs> uh, yeah, the um, you know there is a tendency in online groups to devolve occasionally, and we have felt really lucky that the uh, that the groups that uh, get together surrounding the greatest gen are really like respectful awesome people and the amount of flaming and bad behavior is extremely low relative to the rest of the internet um, so uh, if you are in a position to give a hat tip to your mods and administrators on whatever thing you participate in uh, we really encourage you to do so because they do awesome work and they they are a big part of why those places are safe, fun hangs that aren't the miserable horror show that the rest of the internet is. Yeah, less miserable than most other places. That's the greatest gen promise. <laughs> Hearty hat tip to our friend and co-conspirator Adam Ragusia for... Yeah. Uh, for re-editing the Dark Materia theme music into our DS9 music and creating all of the interstitial music that you hear on the show. Does a great job over there in Macon, Georgia. Uh, we got to thank the great folks at MaximumFun.org. If you'd like to support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Card Daddy Bill Tilly, making uh, fun trading cards for every episode we do. And everybody that sent all these great gifts that we opened this episode. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no kidding. Ask a mod what our P.O. box is. We don't give that out on the show. <laughs> with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, uh, where your hosts may be convinced to give up this life and... <laughs> Try something different. <laughs> <laughs>